galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancer's Retreat, a Warhammer Horse Heresy podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here today with Will. Hello. And here with Michael. Hello. Today we are still continuing on our Siege of, Cantho- yeah, Siege of Cthonia coverage. content review. Yeah, <laughs> coverage. Sort of, yeah. Not really yeah. A, I mean, we're not really doing like a total breakdown. We're just giving our honest opinion about That's the content fair. within. I wouldn't call it a review by any means. Do not <laughs> listen to this expecting a in-depth review like Goonham or anything like that, y'all. We are just dudes who enjoy it and we're goobing about it. That's it. Well, we talk about it. We give our opinion. I suppose. What we like, what we don't it like. is a semi-review, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, we, we are talking <laughs> about it. So I guess anything, you know, technically we're kind of reviewing it. We're not <laughs> pouring over a, uh, you know, a, a keyboard, making sure we get our stuff in time. But uh, speaking of getting stuff in time, before we get started, again, I'd like to thank all of our patrons. As I uh, mentioned uh, last week, uh, we have restarted our patron website. Good gosh. Hey, that music's done. Okay. That is a long, drier music. Anyway, the Remembrancers Retreat podcast currently now has a new patron website. We are now going on a per episode basis as opposed to per monthly. I already feel a whole lot better about that. And uh, a whole bunch of people have already joined up. And as soon as I stop stalling and getting to the actual name of the patrons and the list, we will continue. I'm doing really good today. Why can't I filter by new people? Do, 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 do. We came prepared, folks. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Introducing some new patrons in our Legion Centurions. Many Kautlakis. Thank you. You are now a Legion Centurion. Do the thing. Uh, and do, Noah. Do Ad- oh, oh, for the for the new subscribers. I'm so. I'm so yeah. Uh, hail. <laughs> I Noah forgot Atkins. last week already. It was just last week. <laughs> and Noah Atkins. Thank you. You are also now a Legion Centurion. Hail. There we go. <laughs> and we're gonna. Oh shit. Do. Yeah, that's our folks. Those are our two new uh, patrons. Thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on your promotions to Centurions from inductee, I guess. Do we have an inductee rank? That's that's a hell of a jump. Do uh, we have an inductee rank? Well, no, I mean, no, when no, your no, whole no, squad no. gets wiped out by a demolisher cannon, I mean, it's pretty easy to move up the ranks. Our patrons are way too important to be called inductee. I agree. And they are for at least our, uh, legionnaires. Yeah, Ducky exactly. and I are all the plubs who haven't started listening yet. <laughs> That's right. And for those who have subscribed to a Legion Flexomancer level, we will still give them a shout out. Andrew N., Chap Lanisar, Chris Mack, Real Snice, and Rena the Floof. Once again, thank you for being Legion Flexomancers. You guys Hail are awesome. all of you. We appreciate you all. Masters and commanders each. And That's right. And again... That's patreon.com forward slash RR30K podcast. Become a member today. We greatly appreciate it and keeps lights running. And now back to the Siege of Cthonia. What are we talking about tonight, Michael? We are going to start off tonight talking about the new missions. Uh, 
I know Will is very excited about these. I know Jesse is also very excited about these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I figured uh, rather than, you know, yank him back on the reins, we just go ahead and get them get out of the way. So yeah. what page are we starting on for listeners at home? So core missions chapter starts on page 148. If you mm-hmm. have your book by the time this uh, hits the airwaves, um, just kind of brushing over things. A uh, couple of important changes we're going to mention out front. Uh, first of all, we have a, very explicit core mission sequence Mm -hmm. telling you what order you decide everything in, what order you do everything in. Uh, First you select your armies and they call out that that includes warlord traits, psychic powers, all that. Uh, Then you select mission. Then you select the deployment map, place the terrain, declare any reserves and go into deployment and playing the mission. Interesting. Placing terrain comes after Selecting mission. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. And deployment map. Very interesting. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to make a note. This says select core mission. Mm-hmm. Does that imply that these replace the other book or the other ones? I, I don't know that these replace them. Um, GW is certainly not going to come to your house and, you know, take your right. minis back <laughs> if you play the old <laughs> missions. Um, I think right. this is. You know, they have the basic missions in the core rulebook, and that's generally how you play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then these core missions are, uh, it seems so like they, a they, tighter system for playing it. Um, so okay. they do call it out specifically in the uh, on the title page under core missions on 147. The core missions are intended to be used as both part of a linked set of campaign games using the campaign rules and as the standard matched play experience. Wow. These these missions are balanced for both competitive and casual play alike and allow players to make the full use of tactical options presented in Warhammer, the Horse Heresy rules. So I feel like the first, the ones in the core rule book are kind of like ones to get used to, to learn how to play. I always skip that page thinking that it's just fluff text, man. That is such a key point right there. Wow. Or just, you know, or they're now kind of like the casual game rule missions. Mm -hmm. I like casual. Um, Casual sounds right. (laughs) Cause I don't, I feel like it's weird to just delete them. Yeah. They're not just deleted. Um, And I don't want to say that these are the, the way the, like, com- that they the want competitive it. missions either, because mm-hmm. Horse Heresy gamers overall are not super interested in competitive play, and these missions are more than competitive. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, if- yeah. I, I, I will say I've glanced through them a little bit. I haven't long, gone super deep into each one of these yet. However, from what I can tell, like these definitely are more enhanced. You there's more tactical decisions you have to make using these rules, which I, mm-hmm. I feel is something that also that the horse heresy players actually do enjoy. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I've never heard somebody mm-hmm. who wants a one page rule system because if they yeah. do, they would just go play a one page rule system. Yeah. People are running here for this stuff. We like these narrative battles that are like, yeah, Istvan five bloodbaths, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say like, if you go to like a, um, an event, a fairly standard match play event. These will probably what you'll be playing at this point. Or something like. similar. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're very close to it for if sure. If nothing else, um, I believe core concepts will be used yeah. that are in these, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are still going to make their own narrative missions for their events like we love to do. I think that's another thing that EOs who play mm-hmm. 30K really enjoy is making their own missions. But we would ourselves. love to see influences and formats of the game still using this kind of stuff. That's what mm-hmm. I would like to see anyway. For sure. On- honestly, only thing that gives me pause so far is placing terrain where you do just because I like terrain to be one of the first things on the board. Um, yeah. And then, but that being the, said, the, the terrain is the terrain and you just got to find ways to achieve your objectives, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just my feel. Yeah. I, I can see it played both ways. I can also see, I won't, I personally wouldn't mind. Cause, well, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it because we haven't actually talked about how terrain now works in this particular thing. Yeah. Um, but as far as the the core missions for selecting armies, it looks like the Crusade Force chart yeah. is still the same. Selecting armies, you're doing the same thing. Um, then we've got uh, you've got a D6 table for rolling up your mission. Though notably, five missions. <clears throat> there are only five missions. Crucible mm-hmm. of War, kind of the most basic mission is both one and two on the D6 table. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, under deployment map, there are now only three, Hammer and Anvil, Dawn of War, and Search and Destroy. Thank Hammer and God, Anvil guys. is <laughs> one to six, or sorry, one to two on your D6. Dawn of War is three to five, and Search and Destroy is just on a six. <clears throat> so it's very much weighted to how everyone played anyways. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah and which yeah like, because how many times would you played. get <laughs> yeah how many times would you get um ambush and you'd be like can we just mulligan this and re-roll it like we nobody wants yeah. to play ambush did you yeah i didn't mind <laughs> you it. oh he had, please. A, he had a hammerfall strike force he didn't of care course what map of course like. <laughs> he doesn't even play the map he just plays in people's deployment zone that's it <laughs> he doesn't need the map he just needs person's deployment zone that's it he just, I, he just needs a table. I like narrative games, and sometimes you're surrounded and just got to try and do your best. <laughs> That's fair. I suppose. <laughs> After the terrain has already been set up and the board yeah. looks like a big old f- field in the <laughs> middle, I- I've played those. They're not fun. They're not fun for anybody. And they're over in two turns. I'm just saying. They're fun for, for well, somebody. If it's a big field in the center, I feel like you didn't do a good job setting up the terrain, but... That's well, I mean, it's an there. event. I didn't and set now, up the terrain. And now that problem is solved if yeah. you go through these well, rules. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what that's what I'm saying. Is like if you're at an event where the terrain's already set up, yeah. I I can't do that. So yeah. I'm glad that rule is gone. This is easy, <laughs> much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like now the we open have... centers are still a problem, but that's that's a yeah. whole other podcast. Yeah, <laughs> talking about terrain. That'll be another episode. Mm-hmm. Terrain theory. Mm-hmm. But now we have placing terrain as a uh, section of these maps or a section of these uh, missions. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, players decide what the terrain will be available to be placed on the battle. When playing a core mission, they have a suggested amount that you place of area terrain, terrain features, yeah. and fortifications. Uh, area terrain, they say, if you put, this is on a standard six by four. Um, airy terrain gives a six up cover save is difficult terrain and does not block line of sight. And they say to use an approximate footprint of around 
10 by 10 inches and mm-hmm. two smaller zones of six by six inches. You might remember. That's a lot of varied terrain. Yeah. That's a little bit more than I'm used to, but I'm not hating it either. Go ahead, Will. You will notice in these terrain features as we go through them that if you ever paid attention to, what was it? I think ninth edition competitive Warhammer. Mm-hmm. They came out with a recommended tile set mm-hmm. of size of terrain and how to use it. And this is that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yep. So, which is great because I already have my, you know, little plexiglass or whatever footprints cut out yeah. that I oh, can just you? throw on a table. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You played a little bit of night. Yeah. So I, I made these, uh, a 10 by 10 clear plastic thing that I know that if I put that down, that whole thing, no matter what it looks like, counts as area terrain. And then I have another mm. six by six inch, another or two other six by six inches pieces of plastic that those are going to be smaller area terrains, right? Mm. We get down to terrain features. They ask you, you know, smaller, like four by four inches in that. Mm. About half I'm a just, dozen. Yeah. yeah. So again, these are, and obviously these are still just suggestions. They, uh, they're quite they're quite deliberate in saying this is just the suggested stuff to use. This is not yeah. required to use. Because I, especially here on the East Coast, we appreciate nice narrative tables. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. unbalanced. You know, you have certain things. And um, but this if if you're just getting started and want to like make your own table. Right. You're playing at home, is, you don't really know a, what to do. Yeah, this could be a good guideline. And I know for me, when I'm, you know, building uh, you know stuff for tables for future events, I'd probably use this as a rough guideline of what, what should I have at least to say, okay, I have enough to make a table. You're right. Granted, yeah. That's great. Right. So you can know kind of what, when your when your benchmark is, when you're quote mm, done. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm always afraid that I won't have enough terrain on a piece of table, but if I can follow these guidelines roughly, I can feel comfortable saying, okay, if, you know, if things got down to the wire and I'm like, I don't have a lot of time to finish this at, at least I have this, I can still feel like, you know, I covered it up. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And then finally they have fortifications, which are not placed, but um, unless the mission specifically calls for such a piece and these are placed as or selected as part of players armies, you know, fortifications. Yep. Yeah. And then players roll off and then um, they go back and Wait, forth. Taking a do piece. Do we? I thought ahead. we declare, res- what is this? Declare mission reserves. Is that new? Uh, this is, no, still, I'm, I'm still, not, I'm still in terrain. terrain. Oh, Jesus. Once, once we have figured yeah. out what terrain we're going to use and have it as a terrain sidebar, we oh. roll off and then take turns placing, taking a piece of terrain and placing it on the field. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I don't at all, but um, uh, I think you and I have run into our very different <laughs> ideas of terrain before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Um, I, I like terrain to be telling its own story. You know, mm-hmm. it if it's a city block, it's a city block. Maybe there's a metro station, um, but it, it it's a city. Um, no, because no, we play. And, you know, we play as friends. We're very casual. We yeah. usually are, do pretty well as far as like building our own like table of how we want to tell a story. If you're like at an event or something like you've never met a person before, I feel like mm-hmm. this is still a decent guideline of you know if you haven't known or you know. Not saying problem for player, the pickup games. This is definitely yeah. the way to go. Yeah. Cause you don't have time to sit there for 45 minutes to build a nice table. If it's a pickup game or an event clock's already ticking event. Most of the time tables are already set up pickup games. So you maybe have like three hours, get this done quick. This is just get it on the table. Take turns, bup, 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 mm-hmm. done. 
None of the, I mean, you could take the time to set up a nice narrative table, but that usually mm -hmm. takes a little longer. Yeah. For an event, yeah, usually set up. Also, I personally probably won't use a lot of this ever, but it's nice to have some guidelines because before it was like, put the terrain on the table. Right. Here's, here's what (laughs) I would like to see. From a tech, so from, from a technical writer standpoint, I appreciate this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here, here is Give what I guidelines. would like to see also um, is at events, rather than building these nice elaborate tables that you have in your, in your mind already envisioned, creating tables, putting terrain on the tables, just putting it off to the side. And then every time a new team comes up, they perform this action. So they'll all, every map or every table will always be different for every player. So even if you get stuck at the same table twice in a row, which sometimes happen, you're at least not playing on the exact same terrain configuration. No. So my, my experience with every game I've played where the players place the terrain, it just, it ends up looking really stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's a game, so you're going to have yeah. to take, well, I, I see what you're here's saying. Here's some it, other things. It, I've also played games with super <laughs> narrative tables where armies can't even get to each other to fight because there's trees and roads in the middle and it's impassable terrain. So, I mean, I, I, I've done the same thing. There's, there's sometimes where you do narrative games where they just doesn't work either. There's an art to it. And a lot of it is collaboration with your, mm-hmm. uh, with your opponent. Um, yeah. From a player standpoint to an event organizer standpoint, there's different ways you have to look at that table. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors you have to put in. The amount of time it takes to place the stuff, the quantity of, of, of terrain pieces you have. It, right. Availability. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's things to think about. But um, again, this is giving you an option to use. Granted, this uh, in this particular match play, it doesn't really say it's an option. It's kind of like, this is what you do. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... I can tell you that I would like to host an event using this entire thing and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm curious. I would be curious to see how it plays out as far as like a, one of thinking of like a, um, how quickly terrain can be placed as well. Sure. Cause this is now adding more time to an event. Right. It is like the, the both players are deploying <laughs> a third army. Cumulatively, yeah. Right. Yep. And when you're done, you just slide yeah. all the stuff to the side of the board and <laughs> for the next person. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Um, once the terrain has been placed up and it looks real stupid, Michael says your table looks stupid. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I will too. <laughs> <laughs> then you declare mission reserves, which I find interesting because now it is you place. Hang on, let me verify this on the map. Yeah, you now declare your reserves before you set your army out. Mm-hmm. You're no longer saying, you know, I'm going to put this, this, and this, and you know what? I'm going to pull this in my back. No, you have to declare what you are putting in reserve before you even decide. Put models on the table. Yeah, which means that needs to be thought of in advance when you're Mm -hmm. writing your list now, Mm -hmm. which is, as you said, it's no more like on the spot. Like, I was going to deploy these guys, but I'll I'll deep strike them instead kind of thing. It's just... Yeah, I mean, you can think a little bit in advance because you'll because mm-hmm. you'll both see which armies your opponent has. Yeah, yeah, you, you'll see each other's armies. You just won't be able to decide based on how your opponent is deploying. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big yeah. one, right? Yep. If you would go second, sometimes you'd be like, you know what, you have all this. I guess I'll not deploy and put some dudes in reserve to cool. save them. Yeah, that's, that's right. Point. Yeah, yeah. And so, if they're using the different uh, reserve rules, they'll declare it then. Um, um, note that all players must deploy at least one unit onto the battlefield at the start of play, unless another special rule states otherwise. 
Um, I have uh, not looked since I saw that, but do the rights of war that let you null deploy, null deploy actually say that you can? Or where does it? What, what, I'm trying to find that line that says. So there's Angel's Wrath, um, page 153, the second paragraph. Okay. That's what I was looking at. Note that all players must deploy with at least one unit on the battlefield unless a special rule states otherwise. Yeah. For here, for like an Angel's Wrath, Rite of War, it mentions all models with both the infantry unit type and a jump pack of any kind and attachment using this Rite of War must begin the battle in reserves, but may be assigned to deep strike assault as normal. Right. Then yes, I would. That, I, that's definitely saying you can. Yeah. If, it, if, if you're saying you must, then yes, that's a special rule that states otherwise. The thing Just, is, you could build your army so that it's not all models with. The, uh, I understand that, but if you if you did, you could. If you did build all your models as infantry with jump packs, you mm-hmm. could. Could you not? Well, see that. See that kind of counteracts what this is saying. The for that. Terrain for the reserve rule in Siege of Chthonia, it says you must have a unit out in the field unless unless another rule states otherwise. Yeah, but that rule does not say that you can not have you can get reread the reread the right of war. Obviously, because we're discussing it right now, I could see the contention. Hmm. I could see both ways. I'm leaning. After looking at myself, I'm leaning more, and I guess because I'm also a little bit more liberal in how I interpret rules sometimes, I can see Will's uh, explanation working and being a solid defense on allowing you to bring those type of rights of war. Okay. But the Redditors, you know, they're going to they're gonna bitch whichever way you say anyway. Could it be spelled out a lot simpler? Yeah, yeah. probably. For sure. Yeah. But this that would be my take on what that says. Anyways, that was way too much time point. on that shit. Yeah, um, it really was. Sorry I about think, that. But no, I think Mike brings up a good point. It is going to be a point of contention, so it does need to be brought up at some point, and people need to be made aware of it. So, mm-hmm. thank you for Mike for pointing that out. I do appreciate yeah. that. We did it, boys. We did it. We worked through. We solved. It. We solved it all. Did we? <laughs> I don't know. We at least pointed it out. Goblinshut.com is the distributor for the Dirty Down paint line and other hobby products in North America. Dirty Down liquid effects and aging sprays have been used by prop masters in TV and film for over 30 years to create incredible realistic-looking effects in a fast, reliable way. They can be spotted in some of your favorite media, such as Star Wars, Game of Thrones, and Alien, just to name a few. That precision has now been brought to the miniature realm and is taking the hobby by storm. In the Dirty Down line, you'll find rust, moss, and vertigris effects, unlike anything else on the market. With a vigorous shake and a mix of a bottle, a single wash creates the combined effects of multiple other paints and even provides a subtle texture. Dirty Down's entire line is also water-soluble, so you can achieve a wide variety of effects, entirely reworking, removing, or layering to your heart's content to achieve the perfect weathered look. With this capability, the line is perfect for speed painting while also having the depth for use for competition pieces. If you'd like to buy Dirty Down at a shop near you, ask your friendly local game store to go to goblinshut.com for information on stocking it. You can also purchase it direct as well. Also, all listeners of the Remembrancers Retreat can get a 5% discount on your online order with the promo code RR30K. And patrons of the Remembrancers Retreat get 15% off their orders. Once again, that's goblinshut.com, home of the Dirty Down Liquid Effects.
All right, I'm I'm ready to roll dice. Where where are we going with this? We've uh, done reserves. Um, yeah, where are we? Looks oh, yeah. like play then, then you play the mission. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are two big changes in the missions that I want to bring up right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, five mission game or five turn games they're gone. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Everything's four turns now. At least Just like the four end, right? missions. Four yeah. turns max. Yep, four turns. I max. remember. Um, I remember. Um, I guess when this new Wait, edition came out, what? game day at yeah. when this game day edition or mm-hmm. when this edition came out and game day at Warhammer, um, Warhammer World, they had their own little mini exhibition. All the basic missions were just four missions or four turns. And mm. I have again, I haven't actually checked that, but I believe that's what we're playing. What we're looking at now is those mm. missions. I'd have to double check but myself. Yeah. I wasn't sure, but it could be. Wow, it's what I remember reading for them certainly. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, uh, I haven't seen anything that's uh, variable game length. Everything just ends up four. Wow, that's huge. Because yeah. game turn four. I mean, most of my games turn four. I mean, it's pretty. That's like when pitched. you're already like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's already been yeah. a pitched battle by that point. Mm. Wow, it's a big change. Yeah. At the end of the fourth game turn, the battle ends and the players move to the final step to decide the battle's victor, which is tallying points. Yep. Um, there's apparently some special rules and missions for additional turns in certain circumstances. We also now have sudden death, which yep. again, that's I've talked about it last change. time. I love it. Love mm-hmm. sudden death. Um, in case people haven't uh, listened to that episode, a uh, quick recap is uh, if you table your opponent, you do not automatically win. Uh, instead, game ends there. You tally up victory points. Uh, whoever has models left on the board gets plus one victory point, and you compare victory points. Yeah. Uh-huh. And speaking of comparing victory points, we now have a couple new secondary. Before we move to the secondaries, yeah. Do we have a? If your army's fully painted, you get an extra victory point thing. No. Man, see, they knew they knew 30k players were already painting their armies. That's what they did. They were like, we're not just going to give points away. Everybody's already paints. All right, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and move on to secondaries. All right. Um, Yeah, looks like it's a completely edited crop of secondaries. Um, Mm -hmm. Looks like there's some we're used to that are missing, some new ones. Whole new set. Yeah. So there's Slay the Warlord which is uh, pretty standard. The one we know, all know and love. Um, if it also has the Primark unit, you get a bonus. So, um, there's Giant Killer, which scores two victory points. So it's kind of, uh, what was the, um, what was that mission for? for the uh, you're talking about of Price of Failure? Yeah. They've kind of yeah. like But they've removed the, the Primarchs from that, right? Well, I mean, Price of Failure is kind of baked into Slay the Warlord now because you get exactly. a bonus point they in the Primark. Yeah. And Giant Killer gives you two points for killing Super Heavies, Knights, Titans, or Lumbering uh, subtype units. Yep. Who lumbers? Who lumbers? Um, you do only get to score that once no matter how many. Mm, okay. You right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're fighting a whole knight army. You're still only getting the two. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm forgetting what Lumbering uh, is. Uh, it it's sounds like a mechanical bombers. thing. Ah, okay, gotcha. Oh, dang, yeah. yeah, sick. Yeah, they're just you know, like the B fifty twos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So last, or anyways, I don't know. I'm not sure what in two has it, but that's what it. Yeah, yeah. Last man standing has gotten a little more interesting. Um, if you have more units that are not falling back, um, you uh, gain a victory point. If you have double the amount of units, 
than your opponent, you get an additional victory point. Ooh. Up to two. Yep. So, hey, that, I mean, if you do table your opponent, you're getting the plus one and probably this as well. Assuming that's in play. Right. Um, which, uh, for the core missions, it's, they will be. Mm-hmm. Are they, are each of these secondaries on each of the core missions? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, it calls out that in, in any core mission, the following secondary objectives will always be in play. Oh, it's right there at the top. Should have read. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, and just break their ranks. Um, this is kind of a weird one. Um, you get one victory point for killing a unit on your first turn, or two victory points if it's an elite or HQ unit. Are you talking about first strike or break their ranks? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, break, break their ranks. Break their ranks. Oh, first, first oh, strike yeah, is yeah. weird because it's the same thing, but for the entire round. Oh, okay. So first strike, gotcha. you can win on reactions. Break their ranks, you can't. <gasps> you can. Whoa, dang. Yeah. Interesting. I like, and I like you get a bonus victory point for being for killing elites or HQ. I find that that's kind of actually interesting. I like that. Right. So people aren't picking on troops turn one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is about. So, you know, you know, because from what I've seen, there's a lot more emphasis on line units. And this encourages you to not necessarily go for the line units first turn. Right. For yep. a chance at some victory points. And the, the player with the most victory points at the end of the game is the victor. It's you a sure draw. About that? It, it, you sure that's, about that? It's what the rule. <laughs> it's what the rule says. So here are the core missions. Um, as we mentioned before, Crucible of War, very straightforward. You're putting down three objective markers. Score one victory point for each one you control at the end of your turn. Mm. Um, and the scoring each turn thing is going to be a consistent element. Um, you're going to want to bring your line. Because you're scoring as you go. Progressive scoring. Um, Second up, we have Heart of Battle, uh, which just has one objective marker. Um, However, it's worth three victory points. (laughs) Sudden Strike is six objective markers. However, this is a little different in that you can't score any objectives turn one. Turn two, you can only score one objective. Turns three and four, you can score two objectives. However, when you score an objective, you remove the objective. Oh, wow. So you, yeah. you claim it forever then, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. Claim That's it forever, cool. but you don't keep getting points off of it. Interesting. This really encourages those fast guys, those fast armies that can get places. Mm-hmm. 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 White scars rejoice. Yeah. Time to bring out the assault, boys. Come on. Need my assault mark six. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Speaking of assaults. Taken hold is our next scenario. With this one, you have two objectives, one in each player's uh, deployment zone. Uh, you score one victory point for controlling one objective, or three if you control two objectives. Ooh. This is like a pseudo capture the flag? Yeah. I guess, right? King of the Hill, maybe? Nice. Kind of. You get some yeah. little bonuses there. Yeah. Got to defend your objective while grabbing the other one. This could potentially, I mean, this is a kind of game that, or mission where it might come down to secondaries, right? Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Depending on how uh, aggressive you play, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Then Strike and Fade. Players must capture fade. an objective marker that shifts each turn in order to yep. accumulate victory points. Yep. Wow. It starts in the center of the table, and then you scatter it 
1d6 plus 6 inches. Oh man, you're just chasing each, this thing down. And then each turn it's scored, it move, it gets scattered another d6 plus 6 inches. Oh, so it only moves when it's scored. Okay, that that's at least cool. At least. I believe so, unless my notes are wrong again. As before any miles deployed. No, no, you, you're right. As soon as a player yeah. scores uh, victory points for the objective, it's immediately scattered d6 plus 6. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Yep. At least so it's not like, okay, let me please like try to run this direction only for it to jump Mm -hmm. another 12 inches further from you. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you do a direct hit, you have to keep re-rolling until you actually get a direction. It will never like stay in its spot. Mm. Yep. And it will just stop at the edge of the battlefield if it starts to go over. Okay. Those are very interesting. Um, Again, core. So we're, we're talking every one of these has objectives and line is critical to scoring these objectives. Mm-hmm. Everyone so, has objectives. Everyone is progressive scoring. Now, also, that being said, if you if you are extremely aggressive and feel very cocky, you could just gun for secondaries the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And you could potentially have a good chance if you're really focused on secondaries as well. Yeah. But you've... Phew, you got to keep your opponent yeah. off of the primary objective. It's more of a risk than it was, though. Mm-hmm, for sure. I hope you all have been panning out plenty of line units. Oh, I'm lagging. And not just like your compulsory two listeners, because <laughs> you're going to need more than just two 10-man tactical squads now. <laughs> Definitely. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to mention, and that's the special rules for all of these missions. Because they do have a couple. First one is that they all have the reserves special rule. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. missions do, of course. However, the player with strategic advantage, that's the player that rolls the die off to go first, can choose if the battle begins with night fighting. Oh, wow. It's no longer if either player wants it. Yeah. Um, night Lords players, mm-hmm. you've had it good for about Too a long, year. damn it. <laughs> uh, now, the rest of us get to decide that no, the sun does exist, and we would like to fight underneath <laughs> it. The sun is real! <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. All right. Oh, that's good. I like that. It's a good little change. Yeah. I I can't think of a time where I hadn't played goddamn night fighting in this uh, edition. Yep. Every single game. Yeah. Ah, sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, and it looks like change, just like... I'm sorry, go ahead. A good change, I think. Oh, yeah. And it looks like we also have Apex missions for these as well. Is that right? Yep. We have cool. regular Apex missions. Because um, that covers the core missions. They're all very straightforward. Yeah. Um, pretty simple. Um, I think in terms of playing simple pickup games, they're going to be good. Um, that being said, for more narrative games... I think you're going to want to look at some of these other missions. Mm, the apex missions. Yeah. Awesome. Apex missions or taking some of the apex mission ideas to make your own. Um, yeah. Cause I'm going to be honest. These apex missions are some of the most complicated missions I have seen in 30 K. Really? Yes. Uh, they're going to take some going through. There are two of them. Uh, first one is pyre of ambition. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Just real quick. I do want to note that the sequence is a little different, right? Because this, you select mission first, and then you select your armies. Yes. So you're both, Um, you know, 
That's good because it's going to come in. And I'm sorry, continue. It's going to come in because you're going to want to build for the mission a bit more for these. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pyre of Ambition, uh, the theme is kind of you have scattered defenders in the middle uh, who are trying to survive while existing in a minefield with just the wreckage of their downed uh, transports to protect them. Mm. Meanwhile, uh, the attackers are trying to kill them. A real Black Hawk Down situation. Yeah. Basically. Um, I read the the fluff that kind of inspired this mission last night, and it's pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> the Sons of Horus basically go, hey, that looks like the perfect spot to launch a drop pot assault and land a bunch of dudes. And the Imperial Fists are like, doesn't it look like the perfect place to, to launch a drop pot assault? Doesn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> so they made a kill box. Yes. Mm. They had gravitational lines just tearing right shit apart. Oh, yeah. Just slamming in the drop pods as they're coming down. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> the elevators come up and the Imperial Fists come out. It's bad for the Sun's Force. But getting Oof. into the actual scenario, uh, the first thing that's a little wonky with it is the defender is getting 25% more points than the attacker. Okay. And there's no predetermined point limit, right? So it's no. just like if, if you guys choose whatever, 25% more. Gotcha. Okay. Um, they give 3,000 as an example for the attacker mm-hmm. uh, and then 375 for the defender. But that is only an example, not even a recommend, recommendation. Gotcha. <laughs> um, no Lords of War or Primarchs allowed. Um, and each player will have a Vanguard that is uh, no more than one third of their units. Your vanguard is going to start on the table. The rest is reserves, and that's for both players. Oh wow! Uh, mm-hmm. You can you cannot use drop pod assault, deep strike, or subterranean assault. Uh, flanking assault is fine. It looks like, but none of the extra special reserves. Uh, defender then places three objective markers. Uh, the attacker is, uh, starts by deploying. 12 inches from the short edges of the board. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them. And then once they've deployed, the defender sets up in no man's land and each unit then scatters one D six. Oh no. Um, Defender reserves will come on from the long edge edges. Uh, The attackers from the short edges where they uh, deployed Uh, and defending units. uh, If they fall back, will move. Uh, towards the nearest objective, uh, or if they reach that objective, they will become pinned. Interesting. Okay, so they don't ever actually run off the board then. Because they have nowhere to run. Right, they're in a kill box. Damn. Okay. Um, Defenders will score one victory point uh, per turn for holding each objective. The attacker is scoring per destroyed enemy unit. All right, look, I talked a lot of shit about ambush missions before, and I just want to formally redact that because this sounds cool <laughs> as shit, okay? Right? All right, look, awesome. when it's when it's done right like this, it sounds great. All right, yeah. I just want to say that, okay? Um, uh, game is going to be four turns, except on turn four, you roll a die. On a four up, you, uh, the game ends. On turn five, on a three up, the game ends. Turn six, it will automatically end. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Then we got special rules. <laughs> First one is grav mines. Uh, the attacker deploys 1d6 plus one mines 
<clears throat> they create difficult terrain within nine inches and will pull models in. Uh, if a model gets pulled into it, it explodes at strength <gasps> eight AP four. And it's a nine inch explosion. <laughs> uh, Sick. Oh, sorry. That's nine inch radius. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's huge. Oof. Any models within nine inches of a grav mine marker are moved that many inches towards the marker when they roll a D3. And if it comes into base contact with the mine, then it explodes. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Just little <sighs> black holes scattered around, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Potentially getting seven of these. Fuck. Just wedge those grav mines into just uh, choke points and just oh watch God. the... <laughs> just watch it. Or oh, roll God. high, get seven, just scatter them all over mm-hmm. the... Uh, no man's land. That is the defender's deployment zone. Well, question: mm. Does this come before or after um, objectives? Could you sabotage objectives uh, before any models are deployed? Um, is that mm. before objectives are placed, though. Good. Let's. It looks out. like it happens, quote unquote, simultaneously. It says at the beginning of the battle. So I'm th- I'm thinking the objectives are already in place and it's turn right one, before. right? We're thinking beginning of the battle. Turn At the beginning one, of the ba- battle, before any models are deployed or the defender deploys any dropship hulks, we'll get to those in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> objectives are before any models are deployed onto the battlefield. The defending player must place three mm. objectives. So gotcha. simultaneously, right? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You might have to, I guess, roll off to see the defender always deploys first. I'd probably roll off yeah. or take pity on the defender. <laughs> I mean, the least you could do is not sabotage the, the three safe spaces they have. Look, you got safe. 700 extra. You got extra 750 points. You're fine. Yeah, basically, that, those 750 yeah. points are just to feed you or just to feed the graviton oh, yeah. mines. <laughs> <laughs> um, the defenders do get something as well, though. Uh, they have the hulks of their dropships that they foolishly tried to land in the middle of a grav mine field. Um, Defender gets to deploy D3 plus two of these. Each one provides a four-up cover save. Um, that being said, at the end of each turn in which there are any models within the terrain, uh, you have to roll on a nice little chart. On a one, the ship explodes. <laughs> on a two to three, there's a power surge and it becomes dangerous terrain. Cool. <laughs> On a four or five, uh, you find fresh munitions and can re-roll hits in the, your next shooting phase. Nice. On a six, uh, the void shields activate momentarily, giving <laughs> uh, all units on the piece of terrain a three-up invulnerable save for one turn, and then you remove the Hulk from play. Oh, nice, nice. Wow, those are really cool. And I'm thinking about yeah. narratively making hulks right right oh man that'd be so sick yeah mm. now how many of these do you get you get d3 plus two okay so yep. you're getting at least two that's nice right. at least three or right i'm sorry at least three yeah, yeah duh you're gonna roll a one at least i feel like a good crashed uh drop pod with like a bit of yeah area terrain on top of like you know wreck drop pod and have like a certain area amount of terrain as one piece would probably work out pretty well. I sure. Think. I'm also use, thinking you know, the Thunderhawk terrain. Like, you know, we, we have the crashed Thunderhawk. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. A couple of perfect. crashed other dropship looking things. Uh, yeah. The old crash shuttle model. Yes. From exactly. whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Alternately, uh, Austin has been getting those uh, toy Buzz Lightyear ships for, <laughs> oh, I think, yes. Titanicus stuff. Yeah. You can get yeah. one of those, you know, mm-hmm. take a saw to it, and boom. <laughs> there you go. All I'm right. excited to see if people do any uh, special terrain for this. I would, I would love to see that. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so again, uh, I was wrong about ambushes because this is a really good one. This is a really well-written ambush mission. It looks really fun. Mm-hmm. I also like looking at this for events. Typically, we play a lot of the missions like or have the mission objectives hidden before, like until the start of the game. Yeah. Being able to say this is what the mission is going to be, and then have people build towards that right. would be kind of interesting. To I'd really be curious to see what kind of list people would uh, make if they had like a month to prepare for this particular mission. Yeah, it could get a little crazy. It could get a yeah, little nuts, right. but at the same time, I'd be very curious because the other person gets a month to figure it out too. <laughs> also, if oh you, yeah, if you were publishing missions ahead of time and letting people list build then you could have more complicated missions because theoretically everyone yes. should know it before the day. Yeah. 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 At least in theory. In theory. Yeah. There's always people like me who don't read until the day of. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you, have you gotten child. a mission to you uh, a month ahead in advance? I don't think I have. So, I, I feel so like, I feel like you'd take a I look at it. I probably would. I would. I'm, I'm become way too whack to not. All right. So that is pyre of ambition. Uh, which, by the way, the full text of the mission is across four pages. That's it, a, that is a very in-depth mission, as you said. These are in-depth. I love it. It's so cool. Um, second one, Ashes of Victory. I almost like more. Yeah. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, what it is. Defending Sorry. player must weather the enemy's assault and await the arrival of their own reinforcements. While attacking, players must seek and make the most of a temporary advantage to reduce their opponent's forces before they <laughs> find the table. The turns have tabled. <laughs> Interesting. This is kind yeah. of a similar theme to the previous one, um, though less a botched landing attempt and more a standard attempt to extract. And um, four thousand goddamn points recommended aside. four thousand points. Christ, oh mighty! Yup, start painting some inducti because you need more <laughs> dudes for this one. That or get a titan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the defender deployment zone is in the center of the board, uh, twelve inches from all board edges. Defender deploys with uh, no more than half of their army in that deployment zone. Everything else, including the entirety of the attacker's army, is in reserve. Uh, Mm. There's no special reserves. Um, And when entering from reserves, units can enter from anywhere along the board edge that is at least 12 inches from enemy models. And that's both players? Both players. Oh my god! That is nuts! Um, this mission gives me uh, vibes of the last mission from Halo Reach. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys played that uh, one, but oh yeah, uh, this is after uh, everything's gone down and you're now the last guy on the planet. You're just desperately running around as enemies come out of everywhere, and you're just trying to survive. Right. Six's last stand. Yo, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, rip. What is the objective of that mission again? Survive. 
Yeah. I think so. That's all it says. Mission yeah. objective, survive. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Okay. That's going to be wild. Looking at Ashes of Victory, um, it, when units fall back, they will fall back towards the nearest board edge. Um, and the objectives here are uh, there's one objective marker in the center that is worth three victory points per turn. And uh, you score one victory point per unit destroyed. No wow. secondary objectives are used in the mission, but any special <laughs> rules or warlord traits that right. get you victory points may be used. Does that center one start scoring turn one? Looks like it. I wow. believe so. Okay. Yep. Um, and then you have a 50-50 yeah, the- shot of it ending on turn four. And just like the other one, on a three up on turn five, it ends. And then turn six, auto end. Yeah. Now, Whew, the idea of so just far, stuff just coming in left like and right. The defenders kind of. So far, it sounds like the defender is going to have the upper hand. Um, we have two special rules here that will ensure that is not the case. Um, first of all, sunken bastions. The attacker places D3 plus two small blast markers on the table. Um, attacking reserves can move out of these bunkers as if they were the table edge. Um, oh, the defenders okay. can try and shoot the bunkers to blow them up. But until then, the attackers are coming out from uh, on the table as long as the edges of the table getting mm-hmm. to the defenders faster. Additionally, mm-hmm. the defenders suffer from the rewards of valor. The defender may only bring in reserves by spending one victory point per unit. <gasps> Two victory points per Primark Super Heavy or Heavy Support. No. This is cool. This is cool as fuck. The Defender is going to get, it's going to be drowning in victory points. But how many victory points can you hold on to and also be on the table? (laughs) Dang, dude. That is a really slick mechanic. Yes. Damn. Okay. I thought Sunken Bastions was cool, but that one. Yeah. Because immediately I was like, well, well, they're starting off strong with three VP where the attacker doesn't Mm -hmm. even have any models on the table. There's a reason for that. (sighs) Yikes. And who is it you can deploy again? You can only deploy what? What did we say? No more than half? Yeah. Defenders can only deploy half their army. Okay. Wow. Defenders think they can win with half their army. They will start with a huge victory point advantage. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's interesting because as things deteriorate and you start to realize, oh, I, I'm not able to do this. I'm going to have to start spending victory points to bring dudes in. But mm. also the defenders bringing in their their reinforcements from the board edges. Exactly. So by the time you realize the that, it might be too late to get them to that mission, uh, to that objective, <sighs> rather. Oh, yeah, man, there's right. nothing for, I mean, for reserves, you're still rolling for reserves, correct? Yep. Correct. Okay, so. Whew. Oh, wait, so you could spin points and then they not even come in? Um, no, that- no, no, no. I, I was thinking for the attacking side. For the defender, you do spend victory points and then you bring a unit into play from reserves. Yeah. There's no oh, role for Okay, that. gotcha. Uh, I'm just thinking of oh. like, it could go real good or real bad for you. If the attacker has a hard time getting units in, you can consolidate your forces and just mow them down as they pop up. Mm-hmm. But if they manage to break through, and that's 4,000 points of units, by the way, that yep. they could potentially just bring in from reserves. It is going to be one a hell oh, of... Oh, shit, you're right. They could just roll turn. for everybody at once. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's nothing saying they can't, right? Yeah, right. no, they can roll for every single Jesus unit they have in the Christ army. Almighty. <laughs> that is so nuts. 
that one looks fun. Yeah. I uh, that's another one I want to try. Mm-hmm. The sunken bastions. You mm-hmm. guys thinking of any ideas for those? As far as modeling wise, or because I really don't <laughs> want to just put a small blast down and be like, oh, just pretend there's a bunker there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like um like a little manhole or a pillbox looking thing. Yeah, like some of the older um uh, uh, Wall of Martyrs bunkers, mm, um, possibly. Yeah, or uh, Necromunda had like little manholes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel too. Yeah. I feel like there's a little small for me. Well, you could base them on a hill. You, yeah. you could, oh, fair, fair. You could also base them on a sixty millimeter, yeah. right? Do that. Mm-hmm. Base them the appropriate size. Uh, mm-hmm. Other thought I had is our local game store has a piece of terrain that's slightly larger than a small blast, but it's for historical gaming, I think, and it's a metro station stop. Yeah. The covering you'd go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Dang. Uh, okay. That's another a small covered here, building right? like that. Yep. And uh, you mentioned that it can be blown up. It's uh, three hole points at AV thirteen. And a penetrating hit will always explode it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have a good chance of knocking them out quick. If, I mean, if you got 4,000 points and you don't have, or technically if you have 2,000 points on the table and can't blow up an AV 13 uh, yeah. thing, you're, you've got bigger issues, I think. But the attacker has as, as many as five. So. Right. And they can still deploy them at a line of sight, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Are these deployed before or after uh, terrain? Probably after terrain, right? At the start of the first player turn. Yeah. So that's you when could, you place those bunkers. You oh, could damn. definitely try to hide them behind terrain if they're only small blasts. But mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff, man. That's a, that is another fun mission, and that's a good, I think, fun mission to follow up after the Pyre of Ambition, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll say. Also, notice that it mentioned specifically that you had have to target it with shooting attacks. Mm-hmm. You can't just go up there and with a, like a night Titan and just or kick it over. Yeah. You have to, you have to shoot it apart. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I really like both those missions. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I don't like about them though. Mm. Um, and I might be wrong on this, but because of how these interact with the campaign system, these are both very much like last last stand style missions. Mm-hmm. And I hope in future campaign books, we see apex missions that aren't that. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I really like, like the apex really... missions and I want to see more variety in them. Yeah, more like a real pitched battle type of situation. Yeah. I mean, ostensibly you, you could take this one and have like an equal amount of units on the field at the start. And then allow, you know, both sides can try to roll in from reserves from all different sides. Potentially, Possibly, yeah. But there might be something there. Yeah. But definitely some, some those neat are ideas cool. to take into your per you know, your own custom mission, so for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I saw the rewards of valor rule where you're spending VP for reinforcements. It was like, what if we combine that with the zone mortalis reinforcement points? Mm-hmm. Mm. Rather than get automatically that. getting your reinforcement points, mm-hmm. you have to earn them through objectives. Wow. That sounds good as shit. That sounds good, man. The turn on you, you can burn some victory points to get some extra reinforcement points. Ooh, even better. Yes, Mm. addition. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Particularly, it's a much better plan. Big, so Mortalis game. Mm -hmm. Twenty five hundred points. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to bring everybody in when you're only getting two a turn. But if you can spend your victory points, might make it a little easier. Particularly if the same missions have a lot of ways of 
getting victory points. You know, if it if you have the potential of earning like twenty victory points in a game, you, you start spending them on reinforcement points. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Oh. But that about covers the new uh, quote unquote frontline missions in Siege of Cathonia. Yeah, well, those overall, are really cool. I think there's some great stuff. They definitely need to clarify the must deploy a unit on the battlefield thing and uh, explicitly state that if rights of war allow it or not. Yeah. Um, but I think aside from that, everything is fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited to play these missions. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And these Apex missions look fun as hell. Yes. Mm-hmm. I definitely got to get to these. I, I know I, I said that too about like the old black books. Um, I don't know. I'm just in a different place in my life where these feel like the kind of missions I want to play. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. I really like a lot of the black book missions, but most of them are so specific that they just aren't going to work unless you are doing the exact thing that they're recreating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, as a historic, like a pseudo historical game, it has its play at time and place, but at the same time, it's like, well, like the black books in general, when you would buy them and only have like a yeah. legion or two that could really make use out of it. And then one or two rules that most people can use. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. say for the siege of Cathonia, I'm really pleased at how much any legion can get out of this. Yeah. Like the inducti, the new rules, the zone mortalis, like may not necessarily like legion specifically. You get the inducti, but, um, just having as a good set of rules that everybody can use. Yeah, I know. I completely get what you're saying. It's not like a book that is specifically only for fist and uh, sons of horse players. Mm-hmm. Everybody's benefiting from this. This isn't like the black books where it's like, Oh, well you only want to buy book six. If you run this army or you only want to buy book five, if you really want, you know, black shields or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I feel like this is a book or at least the, you know, from what we've covered so far, this is something that everybody should definitely be getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the rules themselves very valuable. I will definitely be playing these in the future. Yeah, as my standard pickups, I'd Absolutely. like to try these out for sure. All right, and with that, we're going to call it a night. Once again, thanks for listening to our podcast, The Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoy, if you enjoy this program, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at r 30 k Podcast. You can follow us on Patreon and get these episodes a week early at patreon.com forward slash r 30 k Podcast. Be sure to give us a like, a rating on Apple, iTunes, whatever they call it these days, Spotify, whatever podcast you, whatever podcast software, podcatcher you listen to. I'm a professional. And once again, my name's Jesse. There's Will. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. There's, there's hey, Michael. Bye. And I'm Michael. Yeah. Have a good night. Keep those dice rolling, and we'll see you next time. Good night, bye. everybody.